Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Welcome back, friends, to season four. I hope you're enjoying these practical tips for Christian living conversations as much as I am. It's amazing how even the most seemingly mundane aspects of our lives have kingdom implications. Jesus truly wants to be in it all. Today, we are talking about community, a subject that can be tricky, as most things involving humans can, but we have a great guest here to talk about it. Melinda Poitras grew up as a missionary kid in Ghana, and as an adult, she has had to find and build community in several different locations. She's passionate about our need for community, but also honest about the realities of what can sometimes be a painful subject. I know you're going to relate. Here's my conversation with Melinda Poitras. Melinda Poitras, welcome to Good Question. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here finally. (laughs) Yes, we have had some back and forth with trying to get scheduled, but Mm -hmm. we worked it out. We worked it out. It happened. We're so excited. I will warn everyone that it is 11 p.m. where I'm at. (laughs) So if I yawn, it is not because I do not find Melinda to be endlessly fascinating. It's because it's 11 p.m. So (laughs) these are the, the struggles and the, yeah. What we're, what we're having to work through as yeah. we're transitioning mm-hmm. here. So, <laughs> but it's worth it. It's exciting because we're so excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Go ahead and just introduce yourself. All right. My name is Melinda Poitras. I am currently sitting in the fifth grade classroom of New Life Academy in St. Louis. This is where I spend many hours a day repeating the same thing over and over. <laughs> so I'm really excited for some adult conversation. Um, I grew up on the mission field. My parents were missionaries for what felt like centuries, but they assure me that they're not that old. Um, I was in Nigeria for five years. They took us to the field when I was seven weeks old. Oh my and then, goodness. Yes. I don't remember that very well, um, obviously. And then we moved to Ghana uh, the week before I turned six. So I was in Ghana, West Africa till I turned 19. Um, I came back to the States to go to Indiana Bridal College. I did not get my MRS degree (laughs) thus far. Who knows? I'm actually returning home for, I still say home about IBC, which is kind of weird, but I'm returning back there for a recording, uh, Draylen Young's live recording tomorrow, actually. So who knows? Um, I graduated with a bachelor's in, um, it's a major in theology, a minor in religious education. I packed up all my bags. I moved back to Ghana on AIM. I thought I was going to stay there forever. I stayed there three months. I came back to the States. I moved to Bloomington, Indiana, packed up all my bags, thought I was going to stay there forever, stayed there three months. Mm. Um, 
really felt the Lord just kept telling me to come back to St. Louis. And he just kept saying, come back to St. Louis for Lauren. Um, Lauren was a woman I barely knew. She was the sister of one of my friends. And I just kept telling the Lord, I'm like, I'm never going to see her. She is married. She's having a baby. Like we're not even in the same circle. Like she is not my community, but I just couldn't shake it that I needed to come home. And every time I asked him why uh, he said for Lauren. So I did return to St. Louis. The first Sunday I was back, I didn't know anyone really. I was sitting at church. My parents had gotten involved. My sister had gotten involved. And so they were all doing like pre-service things. I didn't have anyone to sit with. And Lauren stopped by my pew and she had her baby in her arms. And she said, you're going to, you're going to sit with us today. Mm -hmm. And we dedicated her baby to the Lord that day. So I sat with the family and that night I asked her, just sent her a Facebook message and I said, Hey, do you need a nanny? And she said, I've been telling mom over and over that I just wish you would come home and keep my baby. So I was a nanny for three years. It's still my favorite job. Um, Madeline is in school now. She's across the hallway from me. So that's still a lot of fun. Um, And then after my stint with the nannying, I was the cataloger for the Urshan Library. And now I have landed here in this fifth grade classroom. So here I am. Wow. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so, yeah, so many um, additional questions that just popped into my head from hearing that story um, about the topic that we want to talk about today, which is community Mm -hmm. and about what it means to build community. And as someone who has had to build your kind of build a community in lots of different places. Um, I've had the same experience with moving lots of times and starting over lots of times. Mm -hmm. And here we are doing it again, um, figuring out how to grow a community. What does it mean? What is a community? Why is it important? And how has it been different in all the places that you've lived? Okay. So I think that we should probably start I am so passionate about community. I don't even know how you knew this. Um, (laughs) I knew it because I heard your talk at Denver Project last year. That is how. (laughs) Um, So I guess I would have to start in Africa. So I grew up in Ghana, which is the reason why the phrase, it takes a village, you know, even exists because of Mm. Hillary And it just, everybody was in everybody's business all the time. It was so wonderful. Um, (laughs) And, you know, everybody's holding everybody's baby. Your problem was never just your problem. It's everybody's problem. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of how I was raised. So that's what it was like in um, Africa. And then I came back to the States to go to school in Indiana. And um, my problems were my problems. You know, there was no Mm -hmm. one there. I did not know a soul. I did not know. I didn't have any family in Indiana. I knew um, part of the leadership at the school. That was it. I had zero zero friends. And, um, maybe five weeks in to my first semester, this beautiful blonde, like angel just breezed into my dorm room. And she said, hi, I'm going home for the weekend, but I just want you to know that I'll be back on Monday. And I was just kind of like, thank you for letting me know. And you are like, (laughs) um, but apparently when I had walked into chapel, for the first time, the Lord spoke to her and said, that's your best friend. And she just, she likes to take her time. So she hadn't done anything about it until <laughs> that moment. And I ended up um, not only having community with her, but also kind of a family. And mm. I love the verse that says the Lord takes the lonelies and puts them into families because he yes. really, he cares about community. And even 
I'd had very few memories of deputation as a child. And one of the memories that I had was we had been with this old, like older couple and they had let mom and dad go out to dinner and they'd carved pumpkins with us. And we were just so ecstatic about that because we'd never carved pumpkins because we grew up in Africa, obviously. <laughs> and um, Deandra, that's my friend's name, the first weekend that I went home with her, we went to her house and we carved pumpkins. And I was telling her how that's only the second time in my life I've ever done that. And um, she just freaked out because in her grandparents' photo album, there are all these family pictures. And then just randomly, there are these pictures of these two girls that she didn't know carving pumpkins at her grandparents' house. Um, so that was us, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, And we're still so close to them. And it's just... So interesting to me that the Lord cares enough about community to craft a story like that. And it literally spanned continents. And now Deandra, she um, is a Hemus. She married Matthew Hemus, who is a missionary kid, which was a connection that we had because we went to school with his sister Haley. And obviously because I'm very involved with missionary kids (laughs) and he's on the mission field and I'm here. Um, So, I got kind of lost in that story, but I think the most important thing that I'm trying to say is that the Lord, the the craving that we have for companionship and to be known and to know the Lord understands that and he cares about it. And he shows that. So he just shows that so beautifully. Um, Philippians two, three through eight, we call my busy, my busy body verse, which is what my sister calls it. But it just says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He made himself nothing because community is everything to him. He died mm. to commune with us. Mm. Uh, that's how important it is to him. And I'm just never over the fact that he is love and created us to love each other. We're supposed to be known by our love. And you can't do that without community. So just kind of how I feel about that. (laughs) Well, I love that. And I love how, you know, it's so easy to say, like, I'm so busy. And, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I think like, yeah, I have time for the people that I've I've very carefully chosen, the ones that are in my inner circle. Mm -hmm. And I have time for them. But I don't have time to sit down and carve pumpkins with these two little girls that I do not know. And I'm never going to see again. And, you know, where's the value in that? Mm -hmm. Um, But one, it makes a a lasting memory for you, but also it's, it's just a connection that God just holds in your story for years and years until down the road, he pulls it all together like Mm -hmm. the amazing author that he is. And it just reminds me that, there's there's no interaction. There's no time that we could offer hospitality. There's no, um, you know, cup of water that we could give yes. in His name that is not going to have an impact right. in some way. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, that's right. It's beautiful. I also love that verse about God putting the solitary into families. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was living in New York by myself. 
moved there, didn't know a soul, you know. Um, and I, over time, we built this group of friends that we were, we had Thanksgiving together and we had Easter dinner together. And the times when everyone else was with families, we were all the orphans and mm-hmm. we all got together and had our, you know, our orphan holiday dinners. Yes. And um, I'll never forget that. Like it's mm-hmm. precious memories um, of times that could have been very sad, but were really joyful and happy. And, you know, when we had cooking mishaps and, yes. <laughs> you know, like crazy, crazy things that would happen. And, um, but it was, it was being together and, mm-hmm. and it's important. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to skip around a little bit in kind of the order that I told you that we were going to go. But All right. when, when you're talking about someone who's looking for community like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you start? How do you, how do you go about it? Because I've had the experience in, few different places where I come into a new, usually like a church mm-hmm. community, greater church community, and there will be people that are kind and um, thoughtful and they'll invite, have invited me to do things. And I remember in one, in one situation, there was a group that would go out after service every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And maybe the second Sunday I was there, they invited me to go and I went and every Sunday after that, they would invite me to go and I would go. And it got to be about a year later. And I realized I still, f- I still felt like I needed to wait to be invited to go. Mm-hmm. It, there wasn't that connection, like it, that relation, those relationships were not growing any farther. Right. They were, they had gone as far as they were going to go. And these were lovely, godly wonderful yes. people, like nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with them. Um, but they just weren't my people. Right. And so I had to kind of look around and find who I felt like was probably my people. Mm-hmm. And even though it was not my personality at all, kind of do the whole, like insert myself into, yes. into their lives. And that became my group of people. Mm-hmm. So talk about how do you know, and how do you find who are your people? Ooh. This is complicated. <laughs> it's complicated because a lot of it, I think, is just trial and error. I don't think I know you. Oh. My mom loves to quote to me, you know, a man or a woman who desires friends, they have to show themselves friendly. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, when I first came to New Life St. Louis, for example, um, I would love that, you know, to tell you that angels flew above my head and light was shown upon, you know, this beautiful congregation. No, I hated it. I hated it. I didn't want to be here. I mean, I've just told you, I keep, you know, I kept trying to move everywhere forever and ended up only staying three months, but it was just showing up. So that is great. And that you have just talked about you exemplifying that, you know, every Sunday after church, it's just, it's just showing up, showing up to serve, show going when you're invited places. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of trial and error, you know, like you are not going to find your people, who you click with if you're not ever in a room with people talking to people, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, everybody knows when you find like those people that you can just talk to easily for three hours and who are going to stand by your side through thick and thin, you know, like that is the most little, the sweetest spot in community, mm-hmm. but there's also you investing in people who are younger than you, you mm-hmm. caring for people, people who are older than you, you, mm-hmm 
um, giving Bible studies. There are situations where you are pouring out and you're not necessarily being poured into. And those things are all also important. And one of the things that I think is so simple that we don't do is I just pray for friends. I pray for the right friends. I pray for the right people. And those people, there are maybe like three, but those people that the Lord has specifically shown me that are my people, like there's no, there's no substitute for that. Um, And even with them, that doesn't mean that everything clicked and was beautiful right away. You just have to keep, you just have to keep trying. You just show up and you keep trying and you extend the love of Christ and your personality and your humor and who you are um, over and over and over. Yeah. And then what happened with me is one day I looked around church and it was my home. It became my home. It was not love at first sight. Mm. Um, but now I'm so deeply entrenched in this beautiful community of believers. And as missionary kids, just honestly, like we hadn't had that. We yeah. There were over 200 churches and preaching points in Ghana. And we were at a different one every Sunday. So this just in the trenches doing life with decorating for parties, making potlucks situation. I'd never had that. Um, Now I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it was showing up and trying and crying. It was a lot of crying and a lot of um, sitting at tables when I really just wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You talk about crying. I can remember... (laughs) the first year that I was in New York when my birthday rolled around. Mm. I didn't tell a soul that it was my birthday, which is a bad, bad plan. plan. (laughs) Whoever's listening to this, if you're away from home for the first time, it's your birthday, find somebody to tell, throw yourself a party, Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. something because I did not tell a soul. And so I had no plans. And I remember being in Target on the phone with my mom and I completely lost it. Like, mm-hmm. like not just like a tear, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like body convulsing, ugly cry in the middle of Target, and trying to get myself out to the door. And people like, what is this woman doing? <laughs> it was horrible, and it was so funny because it wasn't a few weeks after that that uh, the situation where I had moved there was a temporary one year. Okay. Um, and I was living in a dorm mm-hmm. and uh, maybe two or three weeks after this happened, I, the Lord just kind of opened up this amazing opportunity for an apartment for me to move into, to stay longer. And I remember telling my mom, like, I think God like opened this door for me to stay here. And she was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But it was, I knew I was in the will of God where I was. It mm-hmm. was just a really, really rough day. Uh, and, you know, it just... Sometimes you learn from that once and sometimes you have to experience it a few times where you're just like, okay, no, I have to reach out. I have to, like, I cannot survive without other people. Like Mm -hmm. you just can't, you can't do it. I'm an introvert, um, you know, but there comes a limit where on our own, we we are no good um, unless we have other people. Yeah. It's true. I really feel like someone needs to hear this who's listening. It's not always going to be fun. Yeah. I know that we like look at, 
you know, Instagram or Facebook and we just see like all these people laughing and um, drinking sweet tea and just doing life together and having parties. And it's not always going to be fun. I had a meltdown two weeks ago, meltdown, like target in the target crying level (laughs) meltdown, because I was just like, if I do not make the plans and invite the people and pay for the picnic, no one comes. And Mm. I'm not invited to think, you know what I mean? Like when you give people access to you, it does open you up to some level of pain and some level of frustration, but it also, there is no substitute for the joy of doing life in a community. Um, So I don't know who needs to hear this, but if it's not fun right now, just hang in there, keep showing up, um, put yourself out there, even though it's painful. And I just think that the Lord surprises us with joy all the time. And a lot of the time that joy, you know, comes wrapped in the package of other people. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we hear, we hear the verse in the context of marriage all the time, but immediately with Adam, God knew it wasn't good for him to be alone. Right. I mean, uh, we get alone, we get, (laughs) we get depressed, we get anxious, we get (laughs) fearful, we get, you know, all of the things. And Mm -hmm. so, I remember when I was in college, I had a period of time where I was just, I was hermiting out in a little apartment that was just miserably depressing. And um, one of my my mentors, Brother Frank Jordan, who was the very first guest of the podcast, loved them dearly. Um, I remember he kind of got in my face a little bit. I had come to a, some kind of event at his house for one of his girls and he kind of got in my face and he was like, listen to me. It's like, you don't keep sitting over there in whatever it is you're sitting in. You come here, you come to our house, you knock on our door, you come have dinner, you, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he really like got onto me like a father, you know, yeah. <laughs> like he could see it all over me that like I was just sitting in my own junk and, and mm-hmm. I needed to get out. And so I keep that in mind because it's, for some of us, it's easy to think right. that we can do it alone. And then there are others who are going to cram every ounce of spending time with other people into their lives that they can. And maybe that's not always healthy either. So can you talk about that? Like wanting community so bad that we're just looking for it anywhere and everywhere. And we're letting too many people have access to us. Ooh, I can talk about that. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about the Enneagram. I am an Enneagram too. Okay. Yes. There's cheering. That's good. And before I took, before I took this Enneagram test that told me the magical number that I am, I was listening to this song from Wicked called No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. Mm. And there's this part where she says, um, one question haunts and hurts too much, too much to mention. Was I really doing good or was I just seeking attention? And like, I would get pricked in my spirit every time. And I'd be like, that is not me. I don't know why this song is rubbing me the wrong way. Um, But when I... I just had, not everybody does, but when I took this personality test, it's like I saw myself for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And I just, it is a thing about me. Do I love to serve? Do I love to give? Do I love to throw a party? Yes. But if I'm not careful, I am doing that to get love. I am doing that because that's where I find my identity. And yes, I am doing good to get attention. Mm. And I was like, oh, it was conviction the whole time. <laughs> But so I have really had to learn in the past several years um, to just kind of 
check my motives behind what I'm doing, um, to squelch down the fear of missing out, to understand that I cannot do everything with everyone all the time and to remind myself that while community is so vital, it is not where I get my value. So I've just kind of had to, um, we've really had to hone down my calendar. There've been a lot of tears, Um, but there's also been a lot of laughter and joy and rest, some rest and solitude, which I was not experiencing before because I was with people all the time and doing things all the time and listening to their problems all the time. And with all of that being so loud, um, I never really got quiet enough to figure out what was going on with me. It was kind of a purposeful, unfortunately. I would love to say that it was all just self-sacrificing. It wasn't. um, It was kind of an avoidance tool. So there's definitely a knack to finding balance there. And balance is definitely necessary. Yeah. Moderation in all things. Yes. Even with the phrase, too much of a good thing. You can can make yourself, you can throw yourself out of whack. Um, Right on either extreme, we got to kind of find the middle of the road, Yes, how much we can handle um, and then tweak that as life, as life throws things at us, like in different seasons, we're going to have different capacity uh, for everything, but we're going to have different capacity for community as well. It's just thinking like, okay, I can't, my capacity can't be nothing (laughs) and my Mm -hmm. capacity can't be everything. It has to be somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Well, you, you mentioned a little bit ago uh, what we see on Instagram and what we see on how we see other people living. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this mainly just because I'm curious. Um, But as someone who follows you on Instagram, I know that you recently were hacked (laughs) on Instagram. I know this because all of a sudden your account started posting things. And I was like, literally from the first post, I was like, this is not Melinda. What no. is happening here? Mm-hmm. And then the more it, the more posts I saw, I was like, oh, this is definitely not her. And then I got a uh, direct message from the account and I responded back and said, hi, how are you? Uh, why are you impersonating Melinda? <laughs> the person was like, what are you talking about? And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to engage with this. But yes. talk to me about this. We, we sometimes maybe... One, see things on Instagram, on Facebook, on social media that gives us a false sense of other people's community. Mm -hmm. Or we think that we need to be building a community there. Or we think that that's completely fake. Like everyone has different opinions about how they view social media. But talk to me about how you maybe viewed it before or view it now and how this has impacted things for you or if it has at all. Okay, this is really hard for me to talk about. Not because oh, I'm it was sorry. Tra- no, not because it was a traumatizing experience, but because I have such mixed emotions about it. I have so many mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. At the time that this happened, I'm just going to be honest. I was relieved, mm-hmm. and I did, which is not an emotion that I would have expected to have felt, mm-hmm. um, but it is how I felt. And I, you know, I, it it is irrevocably hacked. Like my account is gone and Instagram does not care. And it doesn't matter how many people report it. Um, So there's that. And that is sad because there are a lot of memories housed in that. And I do enjoy it. But I was just on it all the time. I was Mm -hmm. on it all the time. And constantly it wasn't even the trap of comparison for me you know how some Mm -hmm. people are like and there's another engagement you know (laughs) actually confetti to that yay 
Um, it was more of, oh, well, they didn't invite me to that. Or, mm-hmm. oh, I did not accomplish this much in my week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was just such a, I felt, and I did not, it's not like anyone made me feel this way, but I just felt such a pressure to produce. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, like something will happen in the world And we feel like if we don't comment on it, we're a terrible human being. Like I have to Uh, issue my statement. Well, I'm not the president. I'm not mayor of my town. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I don't have to issue a statement. Um, So it's just like this jumble of emotions that I feel about it. But right now I am more quiet. Um, I don't know what it is. And I guess in that area, I'm more quiet. I've been writing a lot. I've been speaking out a lot more. So I think the energy is going to other places. Mm. But I was just so tied to that. So people will say now, and I love everyone, please keep saying it. Like, we miss your Insta stories. We miss knowing how you feel about things. And that touches my heart like, oh, but I'm not moved. Like, I can't, I can't, <laughs> like, you know, I have no desire to even mm. go back to it just because I was so, it just took up so much of my time. Mm. And my, you know, when it first got hacked, the amount of times a day that my thumb would go to try and access my Instagram was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kept having to tell my brain it's not there. It's not there. Now, the flip side of this is it is an amazing tool. Yeah. Social media is an amazing tool. It connects us to others. Um, our missionary kid community. I'm actually, it's the only thing that actually makes me sad. They have a group chat on Instagram and I can't mm-hmm. be a part of it. Um, but it does a great job of connecting us to others. It gets the word of God out there. It can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can inspire other people to good works. It is a wonderful tool. It just depends on um, how you're using it. And for me right now, I just don't. Yeah. I just don't use it. Then there was the other thing of, well, people will forget about me. Mm. People will forget about me and no one will listen to my podcast, which I'm also not doing anymore. Or (laughs) So that became a moot point. Or no one will know that I've written a book or people will not ask me to speak. And that has not, that's not been true Uh at all. That's not been true at all because it's not me that is supposed to break down doors anyway. Yeah. Um, So if Instagram is your thing, go you. Um, And I do miss seeing everybody's like Easter Sunday pictures and everybody's babies. Um, but the space that it took up in my head, mm-hmm. being free for like communing with the Lord and being present in current situations and just creative thought, mm. um, there's no substitute for that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of sold on being off it. Now, would I have quit it? No. But yeah. have I quit it now? Maybe. You know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nothing like a forced, uh, you just can't get into this yeah. surprise. Yes. Oops. Oh my goodness. We're done. Yeah. I, I, I totally feel, um, what you mean about the, the, the feeling like the need to produce, especially like around the podcast around, right. around our aim, um, you know, stuff where constantly, you know, we want to keep people updated. We want to, um, we want to, you know, let people know yes. they've supported us. We want to, we want to keep them updated on what yes. we're doing, but at the same time, there it, it borders on like trying to justify ourselves. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, that's not the point. Like God called us to do this, and we're doing what He called us to do. And it, at the end of the day, that has to be enough. Yes. Um, but there is that. It has added this whole level of just other things to think about into your life when right. you 
when you get to where you feel like you have to have to have something out there every day. I have to, I have to make, like you said, make a statement about everything that happens in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just more, I think, than we were ever intended to, correct to handle. I think so too. Uh, and I, and I would imagine too. I'm just like kind of thinking about this now, but all the energy I pour into that is energy I don't have left to actually pour into actual community. Right. Like I'm tired. <laughs> from that. And so I, and so I don't notice the person that I could be reaching out to the person that I could be, you know, inviting over or. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I'm petty. So I'm the kind of person that used to notice this is where this example is springing from. But if someone liked my post or liked someone else's post and mm-hmm. had not answered my text, Ooh, you know, <laughs> such a big deal. Um, which what you do with your free time is your business, number one. So that should never have come into play in the first place. But at the same time, I know people who mindlessly scroll, mm-hmm. but miss out on people who are trying to actually communicate with them or have a conversation or invite them out somewhere mm-hmm. and just for those texts because they're so full. It's overwhelmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can, I can vouch my sister. If she's listening to this or watching this, she will be yelling at the screen that I'm the one who I'm so bad at answering texts. I'm so bad at getting back to people like, Oh, it's really bad. And it's because of that feeling of, I don't know what to say to this. I don't know how to answer this. I'm going to think about right. it. And then I don't, I forget about it. And I am the one sitting there just mindlessly. Mm-hmm. Just so Enneagram nine over here, numbing oh, out. Yes. Oh yes, one hundred percent, all the time. So, yeah, I, I get. I'm on the flip side of that, and can and can fully relate to how that tension comes about in real life relationships. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing, and so we have to yes. we have to we have to consider one another in that, and we can't say like I can't say to you, oh Melinda, you're being ridiculous. Like you shouldn't, you know, why should you care? And you can't say to me like. How dare you? How dare you? You know what I mean? Like we have to have uh, compassion for one another, right. but also hear one another whenever you say like this, this affects me. And when I say mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed, you know, we have to, yes. have, we have to consider one another. Right. Yeah. Oh, so many, so many things to think about. Mm-hmm. So what does community, you've mentioned your church. And I know when, when I heard you speak last year, you talked about like a Sunday night dinner that you were hosting at your home every week. What does, what does community look like for you in your week as you are working and you have responsibilities with your church? I'm sure like kind of just, what does it, what does it look like for you to make space for community without overloading yourself? Okay. So um, definitely we still do Sunday night dinner on Sundays. It's my favorite part of the week. Um, but it looks like I try to take one day and that's the day that I'm home. You know what I mean? Like that's the day I'm seeing mom and my dad who also lives there. I tend to communicate with dad more than mom, even though we all live in the same house. So that's why I said seeing mom. Um, (laughs) and so there's that. And then we have church night, which is Wednesday. And, um, I have a brand new nephew, so a lot of the other things have gone on the back burner so that I can prioritize. Mm-hmm. My sister will never listen to this, but if she did, she would be like, what do you mean? You're gone constantly. <laughs> because it's never going to be enough time together. But when I'm looking at my calendar and I'm saying yes or no to things, mm-hmm. um, I think about my nephew now. I am actually in, in this season gone a lot 
on the weekends. Um, and that is wonderful and it is terrible. So, mm. but that looks like ministering out and meeting new people. Um, so I have community in that sense. And I have a couple of really close friends that it'll be like Dinesha one week, Amanda the next week. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but I don't know if that answers your question. That was really sad. No, no, it does answer my question because I think, I think what it says to me is that you have to be intentional about it. Yes. Like you can't, you can't just breeze through your week and expect that these things are going to happen. Right. I mean, like I said before, like I'm pretty bad about just responding in the moment to things. And so when we were, we lived in Hawaii for three years, my family's in Oklahoma and there was a point after several months of us being there that my sister reached out to me and she was like, listen, like this time difference thing is really not cool. (laughs) And I don't ever talk to you. And so I had to put, I literally put a reminder in my phone. Um, I found it, we found a time that we were both free and it was for me, it was one day when I, a week when I was driving home from work and driving through Honolulu and sitting in traffic. And so I would, I had it in my phone on Tuesday at four o'clock, I would get an alarm call Jennifer and I would call her and I would talk to her while I drove home from work. And we're finding out now we're back in the same situation, like the same time difference, but I'm now the one that's ahead and they're the ones that are behind and it's throwing me off so bad. And now Mm -hmm. I have kids and they want to see my kids and my kids want to see them. And so it's like, okay, we got to start figuring out those relationships are important to me Mm -hmm. and they're not going to grow and they're not going to stay healthy without intentional right. investment. And the same for people in your in your actual life. So like you're saying, I don't have, maybe I don't have capacity for everybody every week, but I do know like, okay, I can rotate through. And yes. this week I'm going to see you or call you or, and, and I think what I've had to learn is that putting that in my calendar or putting a reminder in my phone, like that doesn't mean I'm not thoughtful. It doesn't mean that I don't care about you enough to like spontaneously want to do something. It's... It's an it's an act of care to yes. plan for it because on my own it's just gonna not happen. Right. No. Yeah, it is. I wish that it could be just like woo, we're blowing about in the wind. No, it has to be. <laughs> and the Lord is very intentional, yeah. so it's okay if we have to be a little intentional as well. And I have right now, this is like the second year of my life that I've been practicing this, but I have, you know, a top three. I have my sister and my two closest friends that are here. So Kendra, Amanda, and Nate. So if I have a day off, you know, they get first billing or dibs, Mm -hmm. however we want to say that. And then everything else kind of um, flows around that. I would love, and I used to be glued to my phone. You were... (laughs) You are one of the people who is now experiencing the new family. Where is my phone? What is it? I will never do a podcast because I cannot commit to a date. Um, it was, I was a lot more tied to my phone because I was in constant communication with everyone all the time because everyone that I loved lives somewhere else. And so now it's just kind of an interesting balance of having a full-time job, which I have not had a lot of my life. And then, um, you know, I can't talk to every friend that I have every day, but, you know, I can give Mondays to Anna and Tuesdays to Chase so we can have a 20 minute phone call, you know, mm-hmm. and that just kind of works out. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So what about people who they have their top three or they have their group and they're kind of like, okay, like I'm, I'm maxed out. Like, I don't, 
I don't need to make any new friends. I don't need to, I don't need to be looking around for anybody else. Like I'm, I've got my people and I'm set. Do you ever get to the place where you're set or do we always need to be kind of keeping an eye out for Hmm. including people who aren't included a lot? (laughs) I think that we do always, my personal opinion is that we do always need to be looking out for that. Now you cannot be best friends with everyone. And that's one of the things that I'm having to learn that I'm just like, Thank you, Susan. You are so precious. And yes, I would love to take you to coffee and hear about your cats. And sometimes, like maybe once a year, we're going to do that, but not every Tuesday, you know? Um, But yes, it's my opinion that we always have to be reaching. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So we have to be going. We have to be reaching. Uh Now, if you were like a cryptographer or you're like, I don't know, doing something really scholarly and you live in a basement and you're changing the world, your life put, like purpose is changing the world through the work that you're producing. You know, you might not have time to be picnicking with everyone every weekend. <laughs> so that's the other thing. I think that it also, we have to be in mind or be mindful of what the main purpose of our life is in every mm-hmm. season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my friends that are moms, are not out getting their nails done with me every Friday. Not that I do that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it just kind of depends also on the season that you're in. So I just think I would like to gently say, yes, we should always be reaching, you know, with the caveat that sometimes you don't have time. Sometimes your, your core people are going to be your core people because that's what you have space for. Yeah. Well, and I would encourage people, if you are the one feeling like, you want to be in one of these these groups of of friends if you if you spend some time with certain people and, and you feel like they're not getting back to you or you feel like they're not making space for you don't let that make you feel bad about you or right. get right. wrapped up in that like look around and like we said before you you find someone else instead of waiting for someone to find you mm-hmm. and waiting for someone to include you. And it is hard. It is hard to be the person that initiates and gets the no, I don't have time. Right. Or, I mean, all of us, like rejection is, for, even if it's for perfectly legitimate reasons, like it hard. still stings, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you feel embarrassed. And But it's worth pushing through that to look yes. for that connection place even if it shows up in a place that's not initially where you thought it was going to be or what you initially had in mind. I mean, God, God puts us, he sets us up in these families. Like he, Mm -hmm. your people are there. You have them. It's just reaching out to find them. And, and the other thing that I've discovered too, is that if you're trying and if you are looking and it's not happening, um, it could be that the Lord is trying to pull you in a different direction. Right. Exactly. And in this area and then in other areas of my life, I've said this before, like whenever God is trying to get me to do something, often he has to make me really, really uncomfortable where I'm at before I will get up and move. Yeah. And so sometimes that has been in the form of lack of community, even when I was trying. So we have to, we have to be aware of how the, and, and like you said, pray for our friends, pray for our community and pray for how God would order your steps in that regard because he will, mm-hmm. and he will guide you to people that will be your people and will um, encourage you and lift you up. Yeah. So our last two questions, I'm going to 
I'm going to hit these and then see if you have anything more that I haven't asked you that you want to talk about. But how does it impact us and how, how, how does it affect our ability to impact the kingdom if we're pursuing this or we're not pursuing it? Okay. Um, we cannot impact the kingdom without community. So it, it's just really simple to me. <laughs> you, you, Jesus was always reaching. He wants us to always reach. Um, we're, what does it say? Forsake not the assembly of the brethren. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're made for community. He made us for community. Mm-hmm. So um, you can't impact the kingdom unless you're practicing community one way or the other. Now, can you impact the kingdom practicing community, never leaving your house, Instagramming? Actually, yes, you can, technically. I don't recommend it, but you can. (laughs) Um, But without some form of community, there is no kingdom impact. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. Well, without community, there is no kingdom. Like He he put us together in a body to be together. And if we're all separated, like... It's the opposite of unity, right. kind of an important concept. I mean, we have to be together to be unified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. yeah, it's all it's all part of it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything more about community that you are passionate about saying that I have not asked you? I don't think so, actually. I think that we've covered it. Pretty, pretty well much. covered it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Well, then I will wrap up with our final question of the show, which is always the same. Mm-hmm. Because we are because we are called Good Question, I want to ask you what is a good question you are asking yourself lately. Okay. Can I put a little tiny twist on this? Absolutely. Do I have permission? Okay. Yes. Here's what happened. I listened to your podcast, and I know that this is the question you ask and the way you ask it. <laughs> I also read the notes, but somehow in my mind, like... This was ruminating. You know how you'll think you've like understood something and then you'll go back and you're like, oh, no, she very, (laughs) you very specifically asked what I've been asking myself. And I have the answer to that. And I'm going to tell you, but, um, I also had just kind of been ruminating on what the Lord has been asking me Mm -hmm. and what I've been asking the Lord as well. Mm -hmm. So I uh, went back to your notes today and I was like, hmm, this is not right, but I'm going to ask her if I can do this. <laughs> yes, for sure. So one of the things that he's been asking me um, is when I'm talking to myself or when I'm thinking thoughts, he'll ask me, does this sound like me? Mm. And for the first time in my life, I'm in counseling right now. And for the first time in my life, I am discovering, I didn't realize how I talked to to myself. I didn't realize how negative I was. I didn't realize um, one of the things we've discovered is that my emotional home is defeat. So that's just my first place that mm-hmm. when she goes home, she's like, oh, I'm immediately defeated. I'm going to pack my bags. They're just going to be done. And so I will spiral in these thought patterns, um, especially related to this topic of community and how I fit and how people feel about me and do they really care and all of that. And, you know, it'll be an hour later before I even realize that all the thoughts in my head sound nothing like him. They don't sound like what he says about me. They don't sound like what he's promised. They don't sound like the truth. So that's one of the things that he's been asking me, um, does this sound like me? And it's been a good litmus test for the thoughts that I've been harboring in my own head. And I have been asking myself, what did Jesus do? 
So in the context of though, I know that there's that book, What Would Jesus Do? And we, you know, people have bracelets and keychains and bumper mm-hmm. stickers. It's glorious. <laughs> but in this topic of community and even being an Enneagram too, and like what I do with my time and how I'm scheduling, I have just started asking myself, well, what did Jesus do? And when I really looked into this, I realized that he had dinner with people he really liked and he said no And he went off into gardens by himself and he took naps on boats Mm -hmm. and I was doing any of those things. I was busy. Like I can't really turn water into wine, but I was, you know, in the water into wine, feeding the 5,000, like from my soup kitchen phase Mm -hmm. and, um, was not taking time to just be still. Mm. And did he reach people? Yes. Did he pour himself out? Yes. But he also took time to replenish, um, and the napping on boats, just honestly, is my favorite part. I don't know how to implement that into my schedule. But when I ask myself, what did Jesus do? Um, it's not just like, what do I think is the holy choice in this moment? Mm. I really go back and look at what he did. What um, did he actually and, do? Yes. And so some of that, um, some of those things are the things that have been standing out to me. Mm. But the question that I've been asking him is what comes next? Because I don't know. I have no idea. Up until this point, I've had some idea of what a next step should be. And I don't. So pretty much every day, that is my question for him. And we'll see. We'll see what he says. We'll see what he says. Well, whatever it is, I am sure that it will be amazing. (laughs) And I'm sure that you will be amazing because... uh, the the what I know about you is that you are so <laughs> I <laughs> I really appreciated being able to chat with you I am glad we made this happen um, I hope we can do it again and thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you for sticking with me even when I didn't answer texts <laughs> right away and even when it was hard to um, work out and for just being so gracious and understanding and I think those things are some of the key tenets of community anyway. Uh-huh. Well, as someone who has to ask for a lot of grace around not answering text messages, I am usually pretty uh, free with giving it away as well. So (laughs) I'm glad we I'm glad we connected. Something that I love about Melinda is her willingness to be vulnerable. I'm so thankful she was able to join us to talk about this important but often tender topic. If you're seeking community, I hope this episode encouraged you to keep trying. It's not always easy, but it is worth it. Doing life alone was not good for Adam, and it's not good for you or me either. Let's keep showing up and reaching out and growing in community together. Although it is no substitute for community in your real life, we'd love to have you in our podcast community. We are most active on Instagram. You can find us there at Good Questions Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook, or you can always send us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media. It's produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man whose favorite parts of community are cooking and hosting in our home, which I love, is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.